one week in the books, and we already know how this story ends, right? Everything's figured out? Yeah, yeah, they'll yeah, make fools of us all. Let's talk about it. This is the push-off. weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened just last weekend while it gets you ready for the next. I'm your host Scott Hogan and joining us as always it's Dan the league's average record is .500 (laughs) right (laughs) that's right uh yeah straight up leagues um Dan we had a heck of a week one a lot a lot of close games um a bunch of game-winning field goals, a bunch of kicks that just didn't make it the game winner. Um, I, I've got a, you know, we're going to hit every single game. We're going to give you all the weight that they deserve. But, yeah, where do you want to, what do you think initially from this week? Well, there's a few panic buttons that have already been hit. Um, we'll talk about the Cowboys panic button, which is a legitimate panic button. Anytime an injury to the, your starting quarterback occurs, you go, all right. It's one of the big ones, yeah. Yeah, we don't, the season's not going to go the way we think it was going to go. Quarterbacks hurt. Boom. Narc that mm-hmm. down. Um, Pittsburgh has a similar thing. Your, you know, defensive player of the year may have a torn peck. There's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of legitimate panic buttons. There's a lot of false hope. It's one of my favorite and least favorite things about week one is <laughs> they hit the panic button and a lot of false hope. There's teams that won this week that will probably see maybe two more wins for the rest of the year. Right. And there's yeah. teams that lost this week that will promise you make the playoffs and probably win their division. We had that, uh, I think it was two years ago, the Jaguars won like week one against <laughs> oh, yeah. Green Bay what? and then didn't win the rest of the season. We're not satisfied whatever. with 1-0. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you, you should have been. <laughs> that famous tweet from him. Yeah. So, yeah, week one has always been fool's gold. It's always that, uh, oh, wow, this team's much better and this team is not as good as it was. And then you're you're woken back up and and you're quickly uh, sobered up to the fact that that's not the case. Um, let's jump in the games this week, Dan, because we want to hit every one of them. So uh, we're going to discuss all of the big uh, uh, storylines from them. But as we like to do, game of the week. Game of the week could be a handful of them here this week. We had two go to overtime. Like I said, so many of them were last-second field goals. I want to do one of the overtime ones, the ones that I I think this one's going to ring big here for the AFC North as we go forward. The Steelers win in Cincinnati 23-20 to in overtime. Perhaps one of the strangest stats that kept coming up is no team that was negative five on the turnover margin has mm-hmm. won in over a decade. It's been over a decade. The team was not negative five. Joe Burrow was negative five. Joe Burrow himself had five turnovers in this game, and they were still, still within moments of winning this fucking thing. That's kind of amazing. The fact that they probably, if it was not for a bad snapper, 
right? Would have won this game 21 to 20 after a ferocious comeback. That's tremendous. I mean, I know Joe Burrow is beating himself up and you can lay the blame for this game on Joe Burrow, but my favorite thing is if you're getting the shit kicked out of you in the first half, which they totally were, the ability to come back from halftime, make the corrections that you need to make, and actually put yourself back into the swing of the game is tremendous. I don't think anybody should be panicking in Cincinnati. 17-6 to six at the half was the score. I think it was 17-3 uh, to three at one point late second quarter, and they put that field goal on before the end. But, yeah, the long snapper getting hurt was huge because two big missed field goals that I think were well within McPherson's range. Oh, yeah. Uh, one at the end of regulation. Oh, sorry, one was an extra point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thought the game was over there. You're right. And then the uh, field goal in uh, overtime. Um, also, you need to bring up the uh, – perhaps touchdown that was not challenged by the Bengals of uh, Chase dragging his uh, feet on the goal line there? What would you think? I don't think that was a – I thought he was out. I, I mean, it was a beautiful call. It was a yeah. beautiful call. And, you know, always side on the thing that is most fun. If I'm the refs, I'm like, no, fuck that. That's a touchdown. I'm, I don't give a shit. I want to <laughs> see it again. You know, I'd have thrown my hands up and, and called it well, a touchdown so no, and make it I, challengeable. He had two of them. I mean, one of them was that one-handed one where the toes went on the line, yeah. and I agree with you there. There was another one where he's on the goal line, like sliding his feet, and I didn't know if they called that a touchdown I thought not. that one was the touchdown. Okay, maybe that one. It was the cr- him, the crazy-ass catch that he was like, holy shit, I, my, yeah. <laughs> I literally had the babies <laughs> right near me on the couch, and when he made that catch that wound up not being a touchdown, I shot up and... <laughs> And I think my wife grabbed one of the kids like some shit was happening. You know, like, like oh, my God, there's riots in the streets. But I was like, no, it was just a Jamar Chase catch. She's like, what? I was like, it wasn't even a touchdown. She's like, fucking adjust, adjust yourself. Adjust the way you respond to things, man. I'm like, that's fair. But if you had seen this catch, man, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Jamar mean, Chase is a freak. I, I love it. Still had 129 yards and 10 catches in this game, yeah. Um, And Burrow had a great second half. He had mm -hmm. a great second half. Had a truly abysmal first half. And I'm going to lay a lot of that on the fact that he, you know, this is going to be kind of a theme. There are certain people that got zero preseason reps and zero reps in training camp, and Joe Burrow's one of them. You know, recovering from that appendicitis, that set him back. You could tell he was not sharp. His timing yeah. was not there in the first half. He settled in. The second half was much, much better because of it. But you're right. Four interceptions, and he fumbled once. That's five turnovers on him alone. He ended up having to drop back 53 times, 338 yards. He did throw two touchdowns. Um, you brought up uh, before here too, T.J. Watt. He immediately thought he tore his pectoral, uh, saying that as he headed to the sidelines. They seemed to have looked here, and even now, I think there was this only thing I heard was like he tweeted that he'll be back. I don't know if that means this season or not. There's well, they, probably an outside chance you see him. They haven't moved him to IR yet, mm-hmm. and they don't, they don't actually think he's going to need surgery. They think it's not a full tear. So he's probably in the six to eight week time range. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good because I mean he's a stud of the. the he had an interception that he basically grabbed out of the air in this game, uh, and you want to see that stuff. That's a fun thing to watch. Uh, the Steelers' defense played out of their mind in this. Oh, game. absolutely. Yes, you can say some of it was on Burrow and Burrow being behind, but I don't think anyone expected that out of the Steelers' defense. They carried their team didn't matter that it was Trubisky at quarterback. 
I mean, Trubisky didn't do anything to put him in trouble. He just didn't do any flashes either. You, I was going to say, you could have stopped after you said Trubisky didn't do anything. Trubisky, <laughs> Trubisky had a completion percentage under 60, threw the ball almost 40 times, didn't have 200 yards. Mitch Trubisky and this offense looked fucking awful. The mm-hmm. offense, I think, had, what, 70 rushing yards? 70 rushing yards over five turnovers you can't produce slightly more than that jesus christ well Najee harris got bent over backwards in the tackle too he didn't look like his ankle looked good but i guess he's gonna be okay he's not gonna miss a lot of time from what i'm hearing yeah uh but you're right chase claypool was their leading rusher so that tells you something how when you're up 17 to 3 and then 17 to 6 are you not running the fucking ball right like how how is how does that work? I don't understand it. Pittsburgh's offense is really bad, and Mitch Trubisky is not the answer. You know, I I think Mitch Trubisky's got. I'm gonna set it. The over under for me is five games, and I'm taking the under before Trubisky is replaced by Pickett, because this is not a healthy offense. Right, and it just takes yeah some. Uh stagnant uh, afternoons to get the kid in there and we'll s- probably see him there but uh, while the defense is playing like this it makes the Steelers kind of a viable option and uh, if the Bengals are going to uh, stumble out of the gate then that division is kind of open there's another team doing quite well in there and, and another team that actually pulled out a win as well so let's get to the rest let's move on um, and, but first uh, we need to talk about who the Bengals are playing next week and that is you Cowboys now, the Cowboys uh, had a home game against Tampa, and uh, obviously they took a big hit injury-wise, too. Uh, Dak with the hand injury, that happened in the fourth, right? Happened in the fourth quarter. It was, I mean, the game was pretty much over anyway. Uh, you know, we were we were making a charge. It wasn't looking good. We hadn't gotten anything done offensively all day. Once again, zero reps in the preseason with a brand new offense with three new starters on the offensive line, two new starters at wide receiver. Michael Gallup's not there. I just don't get why we didn't get any reps for live game action, but whatever. It is what it is. The decision was made and then breaks his thumb. Dak breaks his thumb. When yeah. he broke his thumb, we were already down 19 to 3. So it it wasn't like, you know, oh, damn it, if only Dak was in there, we would have been fine. Um, it, we were doomed. I mean, we this whole fucking game, we were doomed pretty much the entire time. Um, could not get anything going. Um, Zeke looked great, strangely enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was ripping off. I think he was running hard. Yeah, he was running hard. Tony Pollard did not look good. They were running him into the heart of the defense, um, kind of making Zeke into the Tony Pollard back. Um, right. It was a good mix for him. But we just couldn't get anything going offensively. None of our wide receivers could get separation. Um, we drafted a kid in the third round that didn't even get on the field, so that worries me a little bit. Um, we started a bunch of garbage dudes and couldn't get anything. I mean, our defense looked great. Micah Parsons had two sacks. So the defense is so good, I think, with a moderate play by Cooper Rush and a really good running game, we might be able to buoy these next four to eight weeks of the Dak Prescott injury. You got to get that two-headed running back working a little bit more, yeah. And then C.D. Lamb had two catches, and if Gallup's not playing, somebody else has to get open for Dak. And now not Dak, but you're right. That was the, I think the problem I saw was he had nobody to really take the uh, the weight of the passing game off his hand. He, Dalton Schultz had seven catches, and that's fine, but it's your tight end, so he's only going to be a possession wide receiver. Um, the other side of the ball. 
Tom Brady didn't shock any worlds there. He certainly had some problems with the rush. Uh, you had um, your uh, first-round draft pick last year down at his ankles quite a bit, mm-hmm. but Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette uh, starting off the season uh, in in, uh, in postseason form. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he can have the game that he's having, that takes a lot of pressure off the 45-year-old man that plays quarterback back there. Yeah, Fournette was great. I mean, he ran right through the defense. Our our secondary wasn't terrible. Um, Tom Brady did not have a great game. It was nice and efficient. I, I always say, if the defense holds you to under 21 points, that's a win for the defense. Mm-hmm. And so I would say good defense today or good defense uh, on Sunday for the Cowboys. Terrible, terrible offense. Um, but I, still, it I don't lose all hope for the season. Knowing that Dak is coming back, knowing that when he gets back, some of the younger wide receivers are going to have a few more reps, and he might be fresher. That's that's just the only hope I'm holding out for. Yeah. Um, real quick with Tampa before I move on from them. Chris Godwin got in the game. He had a nice catch, and then the next thing you see, he's got a hamstring pull. One hit. So he's going to be yeah. He's going to be back out uh, for a bit. Maybe Russell Gage sees a little bit more playing time, but he's kind of banged up too. Julio Jones, that old man was making some fun plays, but and they're, and they're getting him involved, like more involved than I ever saw him when he was in Tennessee last year. Oh yeah. So that's fun to see the old guy do it with you know with the other old guys. Um, there was uh, oh. The only you're right. There was it was a bend don't break of the Cowboys defense. That's fine. Hold them to field goals. Hold them to field goals. Just your offense needs to answer that. Um, the only touchdown they got was a amazing Mike Evans falling down touchdown catch back there. So <laughs> pretty good coverage by Trayvon Diggs, which is the crazy on. thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain undefendable catches that sure. I would say that falls within that realm. It looked just like the one CD Lamb did to the Vikings. Uh, last season, two seasons ago? Undefendable. Whatever, last season, I think it was, yeah. So, Cowboys are back at home again, and they got these Bengals who are coming off of a mess of a game. We are going to uh, get fucking stomped so hard. Uh, and I hate to hear you say that, because obviously you you are always the positive one on this podcast. You're always <laughs> the one, you know, uh, smiling in the face of the, just the, the mess that's coming into the door. But I get it. When you lose your starting quarterback like the Cowboys have, it does. I, I mean, I looked at the Vikings season this year. You know, it's like even if we started off good, one injury to one of those top guys on. Oh yeah, yeah, on the offense, and that's it. That's it. It changes your whole season. Yeah, I mean, if you're if your starting right tackle goes down, you're like, hey, ooh, let's see what we can do. Like a guard goes down, your third wide receiver, hey, next man up. When the face of your franchise goes down, you're like. Well, fuck me, I guess. I don't, you know, yeah. there's nothing else that you can really do. There's no way to fight that. Um, and I, here's the weird thing. As positive as I am, if the Bengals had rolled the Steelers, I'd say trap game for the Bengals. You know, Dallas Cowboys injured, but we got a good defense and a running game. Whatever it is, what it is. The fact that they lost as bad as they did to the Steelers, they yeah. are going to, they are going to absolutely beat us. They are going to boat race our fucking ass. It's going to be unbelievable. We are going to get the shit kicked out of us by the Bengals so bad. Joe Mixon is a much better runner than Leonard Fournette. Lael Collins is going to put a Dallas defender in a coffin. Like, they are going to run it down our throat so fucking hard. Uh, Ricola is going to run out of lozenges. (laughs) This shit is going to be horrific, and I don't want to watch it, but I know I will. Yeah, yeah. Um... 
because yeah, I, I'm there with you too. Bengals will probably take this one on the road. They need it. Um, I mean, Cowboys will need some too. And where we're at in the week, Cooper Rush is going to be in there no matter what. But let's go over a little bit of the scenarios moving forward for the Cowboys this season. I texted you too, like, do you want to go get a, a quarterback or whatever? You immediately said no. You know, no, no Jimmy G. Don't need that that stuff right now. Don't need to spend the the, the draft capital on these guys to come in for a year, no. two years, or half a season, whatever. Doesn't sound like it would even be half a season right now. Um, nope. Jerry Jones is up there saying, "I'm not even putting. I'm not even putting my guy on IR. I ain't. He he ain't gonna miss four games." Now I don't believe that right now, but that's positive outlook. And from what I hear from Mike McCarthy, who went from "We're obviously going to be looking to replace him in free agency" to uh, "We're in a better place than we were after Sunday's game." That's that's got to get your hopes up a little. So it doesn't. Um, <laughs> it doesn't. Not even a little bit. I I am penciling us in as zero and two. It is that Giants and Washington Commanders games in week three and four, where to a degree I want to see them. I want to see the makeup of this team. Can everybody that's not Dak have some fucking pride? You know, can we mm-hmm. run it down the Giants' throat? Can we run it down the throat of the Washington Commanders? Can we maybe beat this L.A. Rams team that doesn't look very good? We're going to get beaten by the Eagles, and then we fight the Lions and the Bears. I know Dak is back by Green Bay November 13th. If we can win two or three of those games, we've got a chance. If we can't win two or three of those games, we're out before Dak comes back. No need to rush him. The good morning football people were discussing, yeah, uh, if the Cowboys are going to go three and three, you know, why not make it fun? Bring in like Cam Newton to do it, you know, things like that. Uh, I mean, he's got to learn the system, you know. Right. I mean, it's unless you decide you want to completely change the system and go wildcat, um, yes. you know, just run the ball, and then what is CD Lamb and all that money doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you're right. Uh, it would completely whoever it's going to completely change the Cowboys' offense unless Cooper Rush, you know, gets in there in his very first start. I believe it was last year. He pulled out the win in Minnesota, so he can yeah. do it. We'll see. We just got to uh, face the Vikings. The, <laughs> yes, right. He still has to face the Vikings this year, and uh, he's got the Bengals this week. And it looks like we're both taking Cincy. So oh, let's yeah. continue couple of really good games here. Here's another one-point uh, victory, another divisional well, the uh, divisional matchup. Saints beat the Falcons 27-26. to 26. Um, I picked this one. You had the Falcons in uh, one of those upset things, and you almost had it. I mean, mm. you probably should have. They were up 16-7 to 7 at the half. Here's the stat. Falcons had possession in the fourth quarter for 9 minutes and 35 seconds and still figured out a way to give up 17 points and the loss. I want to only a Falcons way. I want to do a word association with you, Scott. Yeah, shoot. Peanut butter, jelly, okay. Green eggs, ham. Blowing a tremendous fourth quarter lead. Oh, the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, see, it's so simple. It's like, yeah. you know, these are child these are child games. You get Everybody the kids understands. to recognize these automatic things. I honestly am baffled at how bad the Atlanta Falcons are holding on to a lead. They did a little uh a little, a little display of all of their severely blown, like more than two score leads in the right. past, like five or six. I was uh, shocked. I was shocked. I, if you're, I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, I am terrified of holding a lead in the fourth quarter. 
mm-hmm. and the New Orleans Saints made they made him pay. I did have a good pick in that the Falcons were going to come out and surprise the Saints, and that did, yeah. which they definitely did. I can't say they didn't surprise the Saints. What I forgot was that they have to play four quarters. Uh, Three quarters, Falcons were dominant. Fourth quarter, what the fuck happened? You know, this is not Sean Payton's offense pulling it out. They just literally, they seem like they scared the Falcons into a loss. I just don't understand what the fuck happened. Um, Yeah, I mean, it it was a 51-yard field goal, so it very much, you know, could have gone the other way. Uh, That's not an easy make, but... You just kind of knew. You knew when he was lining up. That was like this game's over. The the Saints are going to win this fucking thing. It was truly breathtaking. Um, Mike Thomas back and some of the plays he made were nuts. That he's going to be as good as he was when he left the league two years ago or whatever. Um, Winston was throwing dimes. I mean, first of all, he couldn't complete a pass to a wide receiver no. in the first three quarters, and then all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, Chris Olave, the new guy. Oh, and we picked up uh, uh, Jarvis Landry, who's going to make catches like he was, you know, years before he was ever in Cleveland. <laughs> like, back in Miami, they, the catch he made on the sidelines there, no way, no way it should have gotten to him. Uh, but that does, that sets up the 51-yard field goal from Lutz with 19 seconds left in the game. Uh, still, the Saints almost <laughs> blew it. Did you see Lattimore? With the shove of the guy and and a 15-yard penalty on an untimed down, the game was over. Now, it only got him close enough for a 63-yard try. And uh, I don't. You're not Denver. You don't even think you're gonna make that. So (laughs) it didn't work out. It gets blocked, and uh, Saints end up pulling out the win there. But after this game, and I know it's against Atlanta, and I know the Saints kind of pissed down their own leg for three quarters but geez if Winston can throw the ball like he did in the fourth if the offense can play like they kind of figured it out at the end of this game all of a sudden they're an NFC contender the Saints have you ever uh had sex with a girl that was really slutty and everybody knew it I, you know what? I, I don't know if my wife will be listening. <laughs> How far are we into this episode? About twenty minutes. Twenty minutes. I think we're past. Yeah. 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 But <laughs> yeah. I think we're past. The- did you Did you feel any sense of accomplishment? You were just like, oh. ah, good. You were almost like not disappointed, but you weren't like, yeah. There's like no victory. That's beating the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. You know where I you're like, you're, you're like, I'm not like happy about it. Like, of course I was able to do it. I was like, I don't know why it was so touch and go there for a while. I mean, Atlanta's a real slut for losing, but I just, <laughs> you know, you go, all right, cool. We, we did it. We just got past it. We're, we're on to the next thing. I, I don't think anybody learned a ton from this game. It was a great game, but it fits into that. I don't know if I learned anything. The Saints got their reps in there. The Falcons lost a game after a big lead. Everything makes sense. Everything returned to right in the universe somewhere in the middle of the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a divisional game. Um, Weird stuff happens in these. I mean, the Saints got their first touchdown because Taysom Hill made two big plays. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, Taysom Hill's still a thing. Like, you (laughs) thought he would just, like, fall off the vine and die. Led the uh, team in rushing. Yeah, when when their old coach uh, finally left. Uh, but no, he's still there. Uh, which, by the way, um, I'm blanking on his name because I Kamara? hate the guy. No, the coach uh, showed up on. Oh, Sean uh, Payton. Sean Payton showed up there on uh, yeah Fox pregame hey, show. And I'm like, keep some what? respect in your mouth for a future 
Cowboys future head coach Miami. Sean Payton. Oh, that's true. That's that's where we're heading. I was going to say it's not Miami Dolphins head coach. I no. screwed that up. But uh, you're right. Yeah, that, let's start giving Sean Payton the playbook now. Might as well, huh? Um, so where this leads us, you're right. This game, who knows? Who knows what it's going to lead us in the future? But where it leads us next week is the Saints have another huge divisional matchup. They're at home this time, but the Buccaneers sail their ship into the harbors of New Orleans. I mean, who do you like? I am not sold in the Buccaneers. I know they beat the Cowboys. I know, but their offense didn't look good. The offense did not look good. I know it was against a pressure-heavy front. I know that the... I know that the defense in New Orleans is not as good as the Cowboys' defense, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be a surprise and I'm gonna take the Saints. Uh, Jameis Winston, if he can play within himself and you know do what he did, I I think they're going to have more gadget plays, more opportunities to beat the Buccaneers. I'm gonna pick the Saints. So again, I'm closer to that than I was last week. Uh, I'm gonna fire the cannons, but. Um. I I don't think the Buccaneers are, you're right, a class of the NFC or that much more above what the Saints put on the field last uh, on Sunday as well. So I'm with you there. Um, who's this, You're right. I would think that the Cowboys' defense were going to be is a tougher pull than the Falcons' D, but I want to see it, and it's going to be in New Orleans, and that's kind of gives me pause too. So this was one of the f- games that I – waited to pick till like the end one like uh, uh, it's a divisional one it could get wild but I'll, I'll go opposite you i'm gonna go buccaneers fair enough let's go all the way back to thursday night let's go to the kickoff game this one wasn't tight but we got to talk about it up front because these are two teams that are probably going to be hanging around there are unless they? something right unless something really mad bad with stafford's arms <laughs> bills 31 Rams 10. Dan, you picked the Bills in this one. I had Rams. In fact, leading up to the game, I think I was telling you, I was telling everybody, I was like, I don't know, these Rams wide receivers, there's no Trey White back there. And that just never came to fruition. It was 10 all at the half, 21 unanswered for the Bills in the second half. Yeah, the Bills stepped on their throat, man. It was, I mean, being tied at halftime, I was like, wow, what a good game. And then we talk about this a lot. First half is scheme, second half is talent, and you could tell a major difference in talent on the Bills. And, I mean, the Rams are just hollow. We've talked about this. They have built this beautiful house on sticks. <laughs> the fact that Cam Akers got, like, what is it, three touches? How the fuck is Cam Akers getting three touches? He's supposed to be your playmaker back. He had zero fucking yards. He was a goose egg, fantasy-wise. I wanted to put a fucking gun in my mouth. I drafted Cam Akers way too high. Luckily, I did pick up Daryl Henderson, so I'm not completely insane. Um, That's the thing about those Thursday kickoff games is when one of the good fantasy players doesn't show up like that, oh, you have to hear about it for three days. Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> and the worst part is I had Gabe Davis on the bench, so I was like, ugh, yep, like, fuck my yep. flex. So, I mean, you're looking at the Bills. The Bills told me that they are taking this season seriously. They are loaded. The fact that Josh Allen is a legitimate MVP candidate cannot be debated anymore. Matt Stafford did not look good, throwing bad interceptions. Stafford had three INTs in this game, and two of them were his fault. And so, I mean, that's that's not good. That's not good enough for the Rams. I don't think the defense is better than it was, even Bobby Wagner being back there. I just don't think they're as good as they were last year. They were all in, missing Von Miller. You got to see Von Miller on the other side. You got to see what the Rams are missing without him and one of the reasons they were able to win that Super Bowl. So 
I think this is Bills all the way this year. I am not high on the Rams. In fact, I don't think I picked them to go to the playoffs this year. You didn't. Um, it's Again, it's week one, and I'm not going to get overly negative on the Rams in this opening kickoff game. Buffalo looked very good. You're right. Buffalo looks sharp. In fact, Buffalo was getting in their own way in the first half with turnovers. Josh Allen threw two interceptions, so that's not a great start for an MVP-like season, but... He also led the team in rushing, nasty stiff arm and stuff like that. Like Oof. plays like a quarterback slash football player. So, yeah, it's easy to get behind these Buffalo Bills uh, and this team this year. They look very good. Von Miller just jumped from one sideline to the other and hasn't missed a step, and it's scary. Uh, so the Bills' defense and offense all around. You're right. All around they look like probably the best team in football. They did coming into it and week one didn't really disappoint it. But I want to bring him down to earth a little bit. Can you be the best team in football without a running uh, attack? Like Josh Allen again led this team in rushing with 56 yards. Like they 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 gave James Cook the ball, he fumbled it, and they never gave it back to him. And he's like this, don't worry, he's going to add it. And was like, ah, it's more Zach Moss, more Devin Singletary. And they just don't have it. So that gives me pause, but like – I have to be nitpicky about the Bills here in this situation and say the only reason why they won by 21 points against the division champs is because, you know, they caught them off guard. The division champs, the Super Bowl champs, caught them off guard, you know. But I don't know. Maybe Buffalo needs to figure out a way to run the ball when they're playing in Kansas City late in the fourth quarter and they know Mahomes is going to get that ball back and score in 13 seconds. So (laughs) I'm going to put it to you this way. Who was the starting running back for the Chiefs Super Bowl victory? Um oh gosh, yeah, I don't fucking question. know. I don't fucking know. I have no idea. You know why? Cuz it doesn't matter. <laughs> Cuz they had a fucking terrible running game oh, the whole season. Wait, no, that Super Bowl was uh what's his name 32. And uh, now I'm blanking on his name, Williams, and there was that argument that he could have gotten the MVP. He could have Super Bowl. Yeah. But Jamal Williams that entire season had disappeared. They had gotten rid of Kareem Hunt, if you remember. Kareem Hunt, who was a legitimate running back. The Chiefs literally got rid of a good running back and wound up winning the fucking Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So it can be done. You don't have to have a great running game in this present NFL in order to win. You should probably have a pretty good defense, which they do. You should probably have an MVP caliber quarterback, which they do. I would think the Bills are, without a doubt, a top five team in the league without a lot of argument. Yeah. No, and I, you're right. I can't. Even top five, I can't pull them out of that. Might not be able to pull them out of top one. Um, The Rams get a probably get-right game as they get to remain at home in the Atlanta Falcons come into town as we just spent all that time pooping on the Falcons. So uh, what do we think in this one, Dan? Oh, the Falcons are bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Falcons are bad. The Rams aren't that bad. So we're going to take the Rams. Are we worried about Stafford's arm at all? Oh, of course. I mean, you got to be worried about the guy's elbow. But, uh, I mean, the Rams are defensively decent. They're decent. Mm-hmm. It's tough to go up against the Bills, especially, I mean, wherever you are. And the Rams are not helped by playing at home because Buffalo was there and present. The fact that the Rams had to go silent count in the fourth quarter at home is fucking absurd. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. And that's not the only L.A. team that had to do that this weekend. But, yeah, after winning a Super Bowl. You're, Ludicrous. You're team. Yeah. Fucking crazy. So, I mean, there's not, it's not like the Dirty Birds travel quite as well as uh, the Bills, Mafia, or even the Raider Nation. So right. I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue. 
But they've got to get that run game going. Uh, they've got to get some pressure off Stafford, or he's going to throw two or three more picks. So yeah. I'm, I'm still going to take the Rams, but I'm not, I'm not sold on these Rams. Uh, I like the Rams in this one. Uh, I think this is, yeah, like I said, the get-right game. Let's continue on. Let's talk about, <laughs> holy cow, the New York Giants finally won, uh, are in a winning uh, over 500 uh, scenario. 21-20. to 20. Dan, you picked it. I did. Um, which is wild. The Titans were up 13 to nothing at the half. You had to be thinking, why did I pick the Giants at that point? But <laughs> they they came back. They take the lead on a Saquon Barkley two-point conversion where he just wouldn't go down with a minute six left. They still desperately tried to then give that win up. But oh, yeah. uh, uh, Bullock misses a 47-yard field goal that would have won it. The Giants... This is okay. This is the first time the Giants are over five hundred <laughs> at all at any point in the season over five hundred since twenty sixteen. It's lovely. I love to hear words like that. <laughs> uh, you do, and uh, so we have to take a step back and say, New York Giants fans, sorry about all that, and, and enjoy this. Enjoy this while you can, because who knows what what's to come. But congrats to to quote another famous New York head coach, New York football head coach. You play to win the game. The fact that Brian Dable said Tennessee is better than us, but we have a chance here to take the lead. We are going to play to win the game. Yeah, going for that two-point conversion was fucking ballsy. And they fucked it up, but Saquon would not go down. This is the Saquon you drafted. This is the guy that we thought was a generational talent at the running back position. Watching him play this game, I was like, oh shit, we got to play the fucking Giants again. Because Saquon, if he runs like this, if he keeps this up all year, we're talking offensive player of the year potential. We're talking rushing champ potential. This guy is insane. I know I don't want to hit the panic button or the anointing oils too early in the season, but if Saquon is back, the Giants are going to be a problem. Uh, and he needs, just needs to stay healthy. Honestly, that's been Saquon's problem. When yeah. he's not on the field, he's used, and he's used well, so that's what comes down to. And then I don't th- know if Daniel Jones is the answer, but he was finding Sterling Shepard. He was, you know, he, he's got weapons around there where they built up stuff around him where he could have some success. He just can't make the mistakes. Um, the other side of the ball, so it's not that the Titans did anything besides not show up for the second half in this game really to uh to end up where they were they just yeah they they got too complacent i did think they thought that the giants weren't going to find an offense ever in this game and then oh shoot it happened out of the you know kind of quickly for them but i don't know if if the games keep happening like this if they keep you know losing games to these types of teams at home then uh we're gonna see uh Willis out there as quarterback. You know, well, I, I mean, this was a week one trap game, which is an absurd that's thing to true. think about. But it I definitely guess. was. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I picked it. Is Tennessee is like, okay, we got to get past the Giants, and then we got to look at the rest of our season. They, You cannot look past any team in the NFL, even what was a terrible Giants team. Dable, you know, the verdict is still out. He's a, he's a rookie head coach. But he's a really good offensive coordinator. He had a generational talent at quarterback, but still – Made him look good, made him better, improved that guy every single year. I don't know what he's going to be able to do for Daniel Jones, but he's already improved the the Giants' offense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm not sold on the Tennessee Titans. I'm also not panicking. 
because um, they did put themselves in position to take this game back and another missed field goal. Um, it is a real bad week for missed field goals, which we'll talk about. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not panicking on the Titans, and I'm not super sold on the Giants. I'm just, you know, the Giants perked me up a little bit, which worries me. Derrick Henry was back. He got 21 carries, um, so they're not too worried about his injuries and stuff like that. But um, only 82 yards, not a great average. Um, Dontrell Hilliard is the one who got in the end zone twice. So, yeah, if you drafted Derrick Henry at the Vulture. first round. Yeah, and you're like, shoot. Because I had Dontrell Hilliard, you know, when I was scraping by on running backs last year, and he didn't do me any favors. Oh, no. So, like, look he at this. Um, the Titans... It's not going to get any easier. They go to Buffalo. They're playing the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. This is one of two Monday night games, and I guess this is the point where we can bring this up. Uh, as of previous years, where we've had Monday night back-to-back games, instead of it happening week one, it's now week two. All right, mm-hmm. and also kickoff happens just an hour and fifteen minutes after the second one. You have to choose. So this, yeah, this Titans Bills game, which is on the East Coast, happens. Kickoff is 6.15 Central Standard Time. That's our time here. Uh, 7.15 Buffalo Time. And then down the coast in Philadelphia, the Vikings and Eagles play at 7.30 Central Standard Time or 8.30 Philadelphia Time. So the Bills-Titans game is not going to be over by the time the Vikings and Eagles kick off. Maybe halftime. There's a chance it might be over. (laughs) As far as over is concerned. Yeah, by the time on the clock, no, but... Where we are in this in the, in the score, perhaps, uh, but let's start with that. Yeah, Titans Bills. What do you think, Dan? I mean, you got to go Bills. I mean, they thoroughly dismantled the Rams. The Titans didn't look particularly good against the Giants. I mean, I know it's not a transitive property thing, but yeah, the Bills look like a better team at home. Uh, Bills Mafia is going to be hyped. It's an early season, but I I think it's Bills all the way. Um, I'm with you there. I'm with Buffalo to win this one. I don't feel too confident with the Titans now, uh, even less so than I did to start the season. Um, Your thoughts on this idea of the two Monday night games? I know we've had it before, but now they're kind of overlapping. I don't generally watch the Monday night games anymore. I watch them on replay. Yeah. you know, I'll I'll catch the Manning cast when I can, but uh, I just don't find them as entertaining. I've been going to bed at halftime. I mean, this is what it is with kids, but... uh, the uh, it is Joe Buck and uh, Troy Eggman now. As I listened to them yesterday in Seattle, that was interesting. Just boy, I'm not watching Fox, and these are the guys on there. Yeah, but the presentation wasn't as good. I I don't think ESPN's presentation is as good as Fox's presentation. It's it's different, but uh, yeah, I, Monday Night Football's kind of slipped a little bit. Um, I am. Uh, I'm okay with them starting a game earlier in the evening. Sure, yeah. And I guess I'm okay not waiting until a, you know, 9.30 or whatever kickoff for a Vikings game. I don't want that either. But this is still a little weird that you have, there are two primetime games, but they're going to be played simultaneously. I don't know what's going to air, who's going to air what? Does ESPN shove one to the second quarter uh are the mannings watching both these games and trying to discuss them both at the same time well (laughs) one's on espn one's on abc both on espn Ah. deportes well if they're both on espn deportes then that that poor spanish-speaking individual that's gotta (laughs) it's gonna stay hyped the whole time (laughs) hurts alan alan hurts all right let's continue on i want to do uh one more game here before the break 
Let's talk about Browns-Panthers. 26-24, Browns win it. This is another one that resulted in game-winning field goals, missing field goals, things like that. Uh, this is the Brown. This one has some fun stats to it. This is the Browns' 32nd new starting quarterback this decade. And oh. Jacoby Brissett took over. Oh. Um, and um, it was 17-7 Browns at the half. Panthers erase a 13-point deficit in the fourth quarter. They do take a lead with a minute and 13 seconds left. So this Baker revenge game, Baker started pretty piss poor, but then he really turned it on at the end of the game. Uh, A couple of weird plays, weird calls that get the Browns down there. Uh, Burns gets called for roughing the passer. They did kind of hit helmet to helmet, so I guess you give it to them, but you just it's hate legit. to see that on a last-second drive. And then uh, the fake spike or the reach-out or you know, he like took a step and then threw it down to the ground, whatever. But it still came down to a 58-yard field goal for the Browns to win it. By no means a gimme. By no means a gimme. <laughs> 58 yarders, it shouldn't be, no. Um, yeah, amazing. Browns pulled this one out, 26-24. This was a pretty interesting Baker Mayfield revenge game. Um, you know, he didn't he didn't make you think, "Oh God, why did we why did we ever give up on Baker?" You go, "Oh yeah, I see why they gave up on Baker, but I also see why Baker's exciting." You know, didn't have 250 yards passing. Christian McCaffrey got nothing done on the ground, which was mm-hmm. kind of shitty. Uh, the only productive player on the Panthers really was Robbie Anderson. Um, and then eventually the Panthers' defense kind of bucked up. The Panthers' defense was not bad today, or was not bad on Sunday. Uh, Cleveland got away with with some touchy ones um, there yeah. in the second quarter. But, yeah, I thought the Panthers' defense was better than I thought it was going to be. And, uh, yeah, this Browns team is in trouble if they don't <laughs> if they don't get a little bit more production out of that quarterback. Yeah, because um, the running game was on. Nick Chubb had a great game. Kareem Hunt got in the end zone twice. It was like where's the rest of the weapons and it's because Jacoby Brissett is throwing the ball to the you know and you know it was Baker Mayfield here but Brissett is a step down they did it all for what hopefully is a step up in week 11 you know so we didn't think the Browns were going to win this we both picked the Panthers in the upset thing and the Panthers almost should have won this I mean 58 yard field goal there you know 10 out of 11 times it might not probably doesn't hit that one but they do this leads us to another crazy stat uh, I'll give you early. Just like the Giants, who are first time over 500 since 2016, this is the first time the Browns have won in week one since 2004. My God, I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, can you guess who was? We talked about the Browns and how many quarterbacks they went through. Who was their quarterback, starting quarterback, 2004 when they won week one? Kelly Holcomb? No. I'll give you one more clue. He also was a starting quarterback for the 49ers for a bit. Uh, Jeff Garcia. Uh, Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia. Uh, so the Browns, congrats to you guys. You pull out the win. The Panthers now go to New York. They're playing the Giants this week. Good matchup. It is yeah. a good matchup. Um, I am going to take the Giants. Okay. I'm going to take the Giants. I don't think the Panthers are going to start out strong. I think if this was at Carolina, I might be thinking differently. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a tough this is a tough game. I mean, you're coming off a pretty bad loss to uh, to the Browns. The Giants are feeling pretty hyped. Maybe that offense gets started a little faster for them. I'm going to pick New York to start out two and zero. I'm with you on this one being a good game. Who, yeah, how good are these teams? Um, both coming from their tight games. Who got lucky? Who's actually ready to play? All that good stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna go opposite you. I'm gonna go Panthers. Yeah, it being in New York, I almost took the Giants one. I'm gonna go Panthers. Saquon Barkley was a guest on the Manning cast. Listen, bad luck, bad luck all around. They're gonna lose, so Saquon's gonna have a bad game, and Baker and the boys will get it done. Give me Panthers. All right, let's take a break because when we return, we got to shove through the rest of the games, and that means the fastest two minutes football podcasts have to offer and all of the rest uh, of the fun. One of us had a very good Sunday. (laughs) Let's talk about it when we return. This is the push-off. Lord forgive him, he got them dark forces in him But he also got a righteous cause for sending them a murder me So I gotta murder them first, emergency Doctors performing procedures, Jesus I ain't trying to be facetious But vengeance is mine, said the Lord You said it better than all Leave niggas on death's door Breathing off respirators for killing my best ball Haters on permanent high haters As I skate in the Maybach bins Fly this annihilation Bumping brown sugar by D'Angelo in Los Angeles, like an evangelist. I can introduce you to your maker, bring you closer to nature. Ashes after they cremate you fastest. Hope you were reading your psalms and chapters. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We got a slew more games to go through. So let's speed it up a little bit. And what uh, we put on after the break, which is to get us through these games that just didn't teach us a whole lot for the 2022 season and that is our two minutes no offense because no offense but you'll find yourself in this section of the program if you are statistically the new york jets (laughs) yeah yeah jets come on we're playing football (laughs) and you know what you've used this excuse the last four years you should know by now uh you got starts on sunday guys starts on sunday we got two minutes and ready to go and we got four games to get through. Dolphins beat the Patriots 17-7. to They were up 17 to nothing at half. Two attack of Aloha. Uh, the Dolphins are 4-0. They've won four consecutive games against the Patriots. The Patriots do not mm-hmm. play well against the Dolphins. Tua didn't look amazing, but my God, did the Patriots look awful. Yeah, we both picked this, and uh, a line of cars got charred in their parking lot because somebody left their gas grill on uh, during the, uh, the game. Somebody they- let Russ cook. <laughs> you got to get that tailgate and close it up before you get in. All right, moving along, the Ravens kicked the Jets' butt 24-9 on that uh, Joe Flacco revenge game. Ravens of the Ravens, Jets of the Jets. This one is pretty simple. Lamar looks like he's back in form, so a healthy Ravens team is very scary. Uh, they did lose one of their starting corners, though. And I think their tackle, Jawan James, I think Torres Achilles. Yeah, he's done so. for the year. Ravens are not totally healthy, but we'll see what they can do with that. Uh, in Chicago, it was a downpour of a game, and the Bears took advantage, 19-10. to They beat the Niners. I learned nothing from this game other than that the, New- the, the Chicago Bears should no longer be playing in Soldier Field because that yes. field has no drainage, horrible grass condition. Like, who would play on that field if given the choice? It's awful. I, who can say what the Niners really are when you can't see 20 feet in front of you due to rain and you mm-hmm. can't get your footing because you're playing on sand 
I don't. Get I also, it. I also learned it's an unsportsmanlike conduct if you take a towel out onto the field and dry off parts of the ground and the ball. Watching Daryl Johnson it. be like, "I've been doing this for thirty-five years. That's the first time I've ever seen that." I was like, "Oh, good. I get to see it too." Yeah, something new. Something new. Yeah. No, I mean those games are fun to watch, but you're right. As far as football goes, mess of it. And then finally, the Chiefs crush the Cardinals, forty-four twenty-one. The Cardinals are not an elite team. The Chiefs are, and games like this show the difference. And when you're an elite team, you take advantage of it. Yeah. Mahomes, five touchdowns. Tyreek, who? Ooh. Yeah. I All mean, right. I, the fact that they moved down from him so quickly and so completely, it looks like Miami's happy to have him, and the Chiefs don't miss him. So that's a pretty good trade. Yeah. yeah. I'm, well, you're talking about all the money that he was going to get if he were So much there. money. They did the right thing. They got a lot more stuff for him. Um, all right. Let's talk about some games for next week since we pushed through those. The New England Patriots, who, yeah, they do look in trouble. They're going to Pittsburgh. They're playing the Steelers this week. I think they will get healthy against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Being without T.J. Watt, being with Mitch Trubisky does not help the Steelers, and I think the Patriots will wind up winning this game with or without Mac Jones. I say that with or without Mac Jones. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Patriots will get healthy and will beat the Steelers on the road. Is there is Mac Jones questionable in this? Back spasms. The ba- Oh, that's right, because he hurt his back. Um, Patriots offense has some serious problems to get through, and maybe it's because, like, Matt Patricia, who's a defensive coordinator, is calling the play. There's something weird, weird going on there. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, these are their coordinators, the failed coaches of other places. Like, I'm not going to believe in the Patriots until I see something there, and the Steelers' defense showed me so much more. Yeah, you're right. If T.J. Watt, well, T.J. Watt isn't in there, and that's, that's a big loss, but the rest of their defense still looked pretty good too so i like steelers at home in this one so i like steelers to go 2-0 if tj watt was playing i'd be picking the steelers i I, and i get that uh dolphins at ravens who do you like Ooh, ravens gonna win ravens gonna win this thing i mean i know everybody's hyped the dolphins i i think the ravens are just good they're just really Mm -hmm. good and at home i think it's gonna be a difference maker too yeah no i i think the dolphins are looking good but maybe as like a wild card in the east the ravens oh yeah the Ravens could be one of those teams we're talking about with the Chiefs and the Bills once this season's over. I, I mean, agree. they did just beat up on the Jets, but good. You need to. Somebody That's, you're supposed to. to do that. <laughs> That's right. Uh, speaking of the Jets, they are going to Cleveland. They're playing the Browns this week. I'm going to surprise you. I'm actually going to take the Jets on the road against Cleveland. I am surprised. Usually this is a Thursday night game nobody pays attention to, but here we are. It's a oh, it's a noon Sunday game, but you're going to take the Jets. Why? Uh, it's just a weird feeling. Um, it, it's kind of a similar feeling to when I picked the Giants over Tennessee. That um, worked. I think the Browns were super hyped up for that game against uh, against the Carolina Panthers, but watching Jacoby Brissett, I don't have a ton of confidence in them. Uh, Joe Flacco composed himself pretty well. Um, there's decent runners. I feel like if the if the Jets can get an offense going at all, they might be able to hold on to a lead, and their defense isn't awful. I mean, it's it's loaded with mercenaries, but it's not an awful, awful defense. They just got handed a rough go for week one with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I I like the Browns. They show that they can put up some points, um, and the uh, Ray, uh, Panthers have a pretty good defense. So I think they put up more points against the Jets. I think they control the ball on the ground with uh, Chubb and Hunt, and Browns take, take control there. So I'm opposite you on that one. All right, Dan, we've got some more games that to push through here. I didn't put these in the two-minute no offense because they were some good games, but they weren't the top of the slew of them. But let's talk about 
what is going to hold a lot of weight for the AFC West, the best division in football. The oh, Chargers yeah. beat the Raiders 24 to 9. Chargers started hot in this one 17 to 3, but the Raiders made it a game, made it a one point there at the end or one score game, sorry. Uh Khalil Mack still got it. Oh yeah. Still got it with three sacks. Yeah, I mean, the defense in Los Angeles is tremendous. Uh forcing Derek Carr to throw three picks. I, mm. that's a big differentiator, man. Turnovers, you cannot lose the turnover battle or you will lose the game. Um, the fact that he still fought back, I love Derek Carr. I think he's a gamer. I think he's a good quarterback. But you can't throw three interceptions and expect to win the game. It just doesn't happen. Nope. And, yeah, tell uh, Joe Burrow that. He threw four. It didn't work out for him. Um, here's the thing, though, about the Raiders. I mean, with Devontae Adams, it's obvious that he's going to get his – uh, with this change of scenery and you give the Raiders another weapon on top of uh, Darren Waller and Hunter Winfro and Josh Jacobs if he if they use them you know they uh, don't still totally trust him and Brandon Bolden's now a weapon too but I saw a Raiders team that looks like they're going to compete in this division which is going to be a very good division but on the other side of the ball holy crap Justin Herbert there were yeah. some throws and there were some moves, and and they lost uh, Keenan Allen early in this one. I thought, well, yeah, he'll be he'll be yards. out for this uh, this game too. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's going to be a problem. But he's still got some weapons. I mean, <laughs> DeAndre Carter is a is a mighty fine wide receiver to take his place. You got Gerald Austin Everett, Eckler, not a terrible tight end. Yeah. I mean, Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, and they added Sonny Michelle to this offense, who didn't do much in this game, but that doesn't mean they won't find something for him going. Uh, Gerald, yeah. Yeah, I like all this. Um, so the Chargers, who kind of surprised me how everyone was talking them up before the season, now that I've seen it on paper against a very good Raiders team, who I picked them to win, I was still like, wow, these are two very good teams playing yeah. pretty good ball here, and the Chargers won it. Again, dealing with a in home game that wasn't really home because Vegas and Oakland and all the Raiders are so close that, uh, you know, the, the most favorite team in California is the team that doesn't play there anymore. Las Vegas Raiders. (laughs) It it was interesting to watch. Justin Herbert's arm talent is just ferocious. Um, I mean, the man, the man has made some throws that are Mahomes second year type throws where you're like, what the fuck is this? How are you doing this? So I, I mean, it was, it was a fun game to watch. I can't wait to watch Justin Herbert force his way into the MVP conversation this year. Speaking of it, we get to watch it early Thursday night football. Chargers at Chiefs, like we said, no Keenan Allen, but oh boy, other than that, there's a lot of fun in that game coming up uh, in just a shoe, f- like tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's hard. You're an Andy Reid-led team. They're loaded with talent. I don't think this is a mark on the Chargers, but I'm going to take the Chiefs at home to start the season. Um, I, I just think the Chargers need to tune up a little bit to get there. The Chiefs look like they're humming, and they dismantled a decent Arizona team. I think the Chargers are going to have their work cut out for them. You brought up Andy Reid. If there was a time to get the Chiefs at home, it's on a short week. It's true. So uh, maybe the Chargers have a shot there, but I'm not picking against them either. I had Kansas City to win this division. They looked so good uh, with Mahomes in week one. So as good as I think the Chargers are going to be this year, I think the Chiefs 
are still that big brother, and they'll take advantage of it here uh, Thursday night at home. It's not easy to go on the road on a short week. Um, the Cardinals go to excuse me, go to Vegas. They're playing the Raiders this week. Cardinals at Raiders. Cardinals going to start out 0-2, man. Uh, this is a good mm-hmm. Raiders team, and I was not impressed by anything the Cardinals did. So I'm, I'm going Raiders. I like Raiders, too. I don't have the Cardinals going to the playoffs, and uh, it's going to get harder and harder in that division, especially if Seattle's going to play. So, uh, yeah, I like the uh, Raiders to win as well. Let's continue on. My Vikings made me a happy boy this Sunday at home beating the rival Packers. Dan, you picked it. I did not have mm-hmm. the faith in them coming in. Um, 17 to nothing at the half. We scored points. We scored points uh, with under two minutes left in the first half. Not the other team against us. Well, we did it. <laughs> Were I didn't think, yeah, I didn't think that's something that we did, but there we are. And now Kirk Cousins uh, holds the head-to-head record over Aaron Rodgers. Five to four. That's ludicrous. I mean, as right? good as Rodgers has been in the NFC North, the fact that his but I mean, this is the same sort of thing when Eli Manning was like, Yeah, I beat Tom Brady. Well, what else do you do? I don't know, man. I just beat Tom Brady. I, that's <laughs> all I do. Well, you made a lot of money. I know I beat Tom Brady. What the fuck do you want? It's kind of the same thing with Kirk Cousins. This this Vikings team looked good. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you were getting you were getting good Kirk Cousins. This is the sort of thing. He's sixty percent passer. 250-something yard. I think he had 277. Justin Jefferson is insane this year. When the guy says, I'm going to show you I'm the best wide receiver in the league, this is how you do it. You do this against a Packers defense that is pretty good, and it's going to show that through the rest of the season. Yeah. No, that was was amazing, and I believe him too. I think he right now is playing like the best wide receiver in the league, and and as long as he keeps that up, there's a lot of other weapons that can, can keep him doing that. Um it's funny, I pulled up the stats there, and they have his name is J.J. Jefferson in there, which was not it at all, but it says J.J. <laughs> Jefferson for nine catches, 184. Dynamite! Um, yeah, this was awesome. I So I want to bring it back because you, you brought up the idea of like these guys who did not see any action in preseason. One of the main reasons why I did not pick the Vikings to beat the Packers was I didn't see any of this in preseason. Kirk, Jefferson... Thielen, Cook, all of them did not get a snap in any preseason games. They did their training camp. They had their cross practice with the Niners for a week, whatever. But that was it. So I was a little worried about staleness. I was a little worried about them coming out and not not getting things going. Instead, I saw an offense that didn't just run the ball right up the gut on first down. (laughs) Dalvin Cook, they mixed it up. They moved uh, Jefferson all around there, so he had a bunch of linebackers and safeties that had to pick him up at the last minute. And I think they Cooper cupped the him. They Cooper cupped him. And if you, ooh, man, Cooper cupped Justin Jefferson all all uh, season long. Let's go. That's I mean that's a recipe for Viking success. That's right. Uh, we have to talk the other side of the ball, as most pundits are. The Green Bay Packers. You could say it's time to panic. I've heard most Packers fans go, listen, this is how we've started the season the last three years now. We lose week one in an embarrassing fashion that just wakes everybody up so Aaron Rodgers can go on you know, his podcast and just say, hey, everybody, relax. Everything's fine. Sure, but take who, are, some ayahuasca. who are you waking up, though? 
That's the issue. It used yeah. to be that you were waking up a Devontae Adams, or you'd be waking up a Jordy Nelson, or you'd be waking up a, a younger Randall Cobb. Are you waking up Sammy the Lizard King Watkins? Are you waking <laughs> up Robert Tanyan? Mm. Are you waking up Juwan Winfrey and, you know, Romeo Dobbs? It's not Dubs, it's Dobbs. Like, yeah, it's who are you waking up? You're waking up young guys that can't get it done. And, I, I mean, I'd be worried offensively for these Green Bay Packers. I know they have the MVP. They're not mm-hmm. going to be awful offensively, but they won't be as explosive as they were. Their their best opportunity is to rely on this good, pressure-heavy defense to be able to keep them in games and keep running the ball to A.J. Dillon. I don't know why they abandoned that. And Aaron Jones. Oh, yeah. No, there was some running working in here. I think because the Vikings jumped up by two scores, it kind of got away from a little bit. Um Listen, we got him without Alan Lazard, who might be one of the wide receivers that Rodgers trusts the most, and True. two tackles on their offensive line. So we might have hit the Packers at a perfect moment. That being said, it's still a win in division on the home take turf it. for the Vikings. Yeah, you take it, and it's still going to be a big, uh, uh, you know, feather in your cap at the as the season goes along. So you don't fight excuses, excuses, whatever. Uh, on the first play, Christian Watson, uh, for the Packers, Christian Watson was wide open and drops what would have been a 60, 65-yard touchdown, which would have changed the game. I know that completely. And then you get the running game going more. You're not down 7 nothing the whole time. There was also the stop you know, at the goal line. So Packers left points on the board, which the Vikings took advantage of and took leads from, and that felt great. Um but you're right. That all that tells me is that the Packers are not going to always be leaving points on the you know uh, ground and stuff like that. So you take it when you can, and they did. And thankfully, it was it was a relaxing win, which I have not had in <laughs> over a year. So loved that. Green Bay gonna... scored zero points in the fourth quarter. I know. That's wild. That is wild because everything that I lived through last year. Um, yeah, we we had Jordan Love time at the end of that game. It's I true. mean, garbage love. There was it, they the Packers were beat. They were officially beat, and that felt good. So they get to take it out on the Chicago Bears next week. Sunday night football. We get one of the oldest matchups in NFL history: Chicago Bears at Lambeau Field playing the Packers. I mean, it's the one and O Bears versus the zero and one Packers. What do we think? This is a fun. It was a fun Bears team to watch, but I just don't. I just don't think Aaron Rodgers is capable of going 0-2 and having that second loss be against the fucking Bears. Mm. Not a ch- I just let the let the seas boil, let the mountains crumble before Aaron Rodgers <laughs> goes 0-2 and takes two division losses to start the season against the Vikings and Bears. Vikings, one thing. Bears, not a fucking chance. Go yeah. Packers, I guess, in this one. We're gonna get that uh, those clips of him screaming at the Bears fans. I own you. Uh, as we lead up to this game on Sunday night, um, it's yeah prime time at Lambeau. If this was at Soldier Field, and the Packers were still trying to f- get the feet under them on offense, I could see that. But listen, it's just gonna it, even if the Packers aren't figuring out their wide receiver issue by then. The Bears' offense are going to have the same dang issues going on. I mean, did you see Darnell Moody, Mooney at all on their thing as a number one receiver? I didn't. No. So, yeah, the but this is two offenses that are stagnant against two defenses that should be ready to play. 
hey, that's a black and blue division. That's what we expect. But I'm going to take the home team Packers and the guy that owns the other city. <laughs> so I'll take I'll take uh, Packers as well. But would it be fun to see Green Bay start 0-2? As much as I hate the oh, Bears, yeah, yes, sure. that would be fun as well. That would be a hoot. All right, let's talk about the Eagles. They had a three-point win over the Lions, 38-35. to I picked this because it was the Eagles. Uh, they were up 24-14 to at the half. Lions made this a game. The Lions decided to turn their diet into mostly kneecaps like they warned. Mm-hmm. Um, they clawed their way back into this. There's a couple bad Jared Goff throws that resulted in uh, you know, points the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, this Lions team is scrappy, dude. They are scrappy. The Eagles are pretty good, but the Lions are not super far from being competitive. Um, you know, 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. They could have done something with this. Um, the fact that the Lions couldn't get it back uh, to end the to end the game, um, that was pretty heartbreaking. I thought they had really turned the tide. Well, the Eagles could run the ball, and that's what they did. Is they took it away from the Lions, couldn't give them didn't give it back to him from the, uh, there at the end. I mean, the Lions, I don't know if that onside kick was the right move, but I think they were worried. Yeah, they weren't going to see the ball back in time, so they wanted to make some moves there. But, yeah, the, the Eagles controlled the ball on the ground and then threw it to A.J. Brown, and that's really all they had to do. Uh, four rushing touchdowns from different people by the Eagles in this game. The Lions had Swift running it quite well, and then um, they're trying to figure out their wide receiver crew with St. Brown and DJ Chark. And, you know, we like these players, I think, coming out of the uh, um, college, but, yeah, Goff is throwing them the ball, and that's still a work in progress is what I'm seeing from the Lions. So, again, it's, it's again, a scrappy team that's going to keep trying and ever – you can't count them out of any of these games because no. they don't know when they're dead. Um, they never say die. They never say die. Yeah, Goonies never, never s- say die. Goonies and Lions never say die. But a 38-35 to 35 tells me one thing. There was not a lot of defense in this game. No, no. The Lions, uh, I think Aaron Glenn's going to have himself a bit of a film session this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, did not look good. Lions defense did not look good. Their offense, you know, got it back together. Didn't look sharp, but, you know, the defense looked bad. Um, people are getting excited about these Eagles. Are the Eagles a contender? And I know, Dan, you got to put your bias to the side for a second, but are they a contender in the NFC? I mean, Should my Vikings be worried about going to Philadelphia? They're playing, it's Vikings at Eagles, Monday Night Football, game it, two. It's tough because I've already picked the Eagles to go 0-17. <laughs> um, so I have to adjust my prognostication now, and now they're going to go 1-16. What? Uh, yeah, no, so the now is when the losing begins. But, no, I mean, the Eagles are a good team. They improved themselves. They're in a weak division. Um, you know, they added a playmaking wide receiver. Their defense is still pretty good. Yeah, they're going to be troublesome. Um, I think it's going to be tough for the Vikings to go in there. But you know I'm not picking the fucking Eagles, Scott. Yep, Can't. I know I just, that. It's, I'm incapable of it. I don't know why. Um. And this is probably bad bad news, but I'm going to take the Vikings as well. They have me feeling good about their team, and I think uh, I don't know why the the big hype of the Eagles is happening here. I feel like that defense didn't really show up, and they got some holes there, and Vikings can keep up with the scoring. I'll, I'll got to figure out a way to stop the run. They had their problems still in that, in that new uh, 
defense in Minnesota might that might be the thing that, that beats them here. But I'll take my Vikings as well. Feel bad for not taking them week one. So I'm with you there. Fair enough. A uh, few more games left for this week. Let's talk about the Commanders who win their very first game, inaugural Yuck. Commanders game, Yuck. as they beat the Jaguars at home, 22 to 28. I picked this one. It was 14 to three Commanders at the half, but uh, we we got an end to this. This game was uh, as that that noon uh, hour ended of all those games and everything got close. We had those games going to overtime. Jaguars commanders were kind of like fighting in there going like, don't forget about us. We're going to make this fun for you guys at the very end of this game. And they kind of did. We had trades back and forth of uh, field goals at the end there to uh, make it a close one. But Washington wins it. Actually, the last score was, I think, that deep touchdown to the rookie wide receiver for the commanders. Um was McKissick? It? Yeah. No. Uh, Jahan Dotson. I think it was oh, yeah. Jahan Dotson. Dotson touchdowns to win it. He looked good. He did. I mean, Washington didn't look awful, um, but Jacksonville had a chance to win. I don't know why the fuck Lawrence was throwing that interception. I think it was on, like, second down. It was insane. Yeah. Um, you know, live to fight another day, man. Like, you still have Chuck time on it. the clock. I don't get it. Yeah, it's Chuck and Duck. Um, I thought Carson Wentz comported himself well especially in the first half um slowed down a little bit made some mistakes in the second but i mean this is a better offense than anything they had at any point last year so um their defense wasn't terrible uh their defense is getting pressure i just i can't believe in the washington commanders i also can't believe in the jaguars so i'm this i I didn't learn anything in this game i learned the jaguars are young and washington is inconsistent it's the same as same old song yeah, perhaps it could have been a two point or a two minute no offense game given the two teams we're dealing with here, but it's a whole new season and these guys could be True. contenders. It's it's hard to tell. Uh you're right. I, Trevor Lawrence was still making some questionable throws that were like, Why why is this going on? Uh Travis Etienne is not the fantasy stud that uh, people were promised. Yeah. James Robinson is still the lead back there. And then on Washington's side, they might get better. You know, uh the rookie running back who they drafted who got shot uh, it's talked about he'll be back, and if Jahan Dotson gets going, then it's more than just Terry McLaurin catching passes there. So maybe Commanders are better than I thought, but you're right. I am not – yeah, for me right now, this is two teams that were not very good last year putting up a tight one between each other. Nobody nobody put their foot on the other one's throat in a way that made me think they were going to be a better team this year. So, no killers. Uh, no killers right. here. But what does this mean for next week when the Commanders go on the road to Detroit to play the Lions, who we do believe bite kneecaps? They bite kneecaps? Can they bite a throat? I guess mm-hmm. we will find out at home. I, The Lions did not embarrass themselves against Philadelphia, who is a better team, I believe, than the Commanders. I think the Lions will be able to pull this out. I think Commanders start 1-1. One one, Lions go 1-1. One one. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the Lions win this one at home. I uh, yeah, going through this game too. I was like, am I going to pick the Detroit Lions in a game? I think I am, and it feels good. Uh, it's a good feeling, right? Yeah. And, I mean, the Commanders may have more talent on their team, but again, you know, they're still going to be without Chase Young for a few more weeks, and there's going to be some missing things there. So, give me Detroit, getting a little bit better. Uh, like I said, yeah, you're right. They almost pulled out against the Eagles. Why not the Commanders here at home? So, I like the Lions to win it. All right, let's talk about the tie. We're here. There are only two more games left here this week. The Colts and Texans 
finish it off at 16 games this week y'all 16 games yeah keep your brother uh 2020 tie so neither of us got this right obviously Mm -hmm. Uh, it was texans with the lead to begin it they were up 10 to 3 at the half they kind of had a control of this one up until the end and then the colts finally figured out to move the ball a little bit uh they talked about uh trying to keep jonathan taylor's uh you know pitch count down and he still got 31 carries so not so much um it comes down to the overtime. Both teams had chances, missed kicks, and uh, Lovey Smith decided not to go for it on a fourth and four at midfield and punts to the tie. That I think somebody looked at it. It was there's the uh, like surrender matrix. Yes, that that was one of the worst uh, surrender matrix <laughs> decisions. It basically means I don't want to. I don't want to win this game. I refuse to win this game because I desperately don't want to lose it. I quoted yeah. Herm Edwards before. Uh, Lovey Smith does not agree with that. We play <laughs> to manage our expectations. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's an interesting situation, though. If you are the head coach of the new, you know, the new head coach of the Houston Texans, and you're in that scenario, do you ch- choose differently than Lovey Smith? You go for it in that fourth and four? Oh, and fuck, if they... fuck yeah, of course I do. Yeah. You know, I mean, what's... It's the same thing with the lion with uh, the Giants, where you're like, just go for it, man. Like, just go. Let's see what we can do. You know, no one expects us to win this game. Let's let's try to do it for ourselves. And they had it one, yeah. So it's tough to say in this 2020 tie. I've been back and forth on who actually lost this game. You're like, oh, the Colts. Colts should have won it. But at the same time, the Texans had a two score lead, I think, at one point, or at least mm-hmm. a touchdown lead through most of it. And then they still end up with a tie there at the end. Then, yeah, it feels bad for both these teams. It was twenty to three. There you go. Yeah, twenty to three at a point. They gave up seventeen points in the fourth quarter. That is an awful, <laughs> awful thing for your defense to do. But also, Houston's not talented. Yeah, and then you just finish it with the tie. So, yeah, what is what does this game tell us for the future? The Colts not uh, the class of the AFC like we thought they were. Uh, I mean, I never thought they were the class of the AFC. I thought they were probably the best team in the AFC South, and I still I still can see that. You know, I didn't see much from the Titans. I didn't see much from the Texans, and obviously I didn't see much from the Jaguars. <laughs> That's you know, the thing about the AFC South. There's four teams, and they're all bad. So no, None of them won, and two teams played each other this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... How is that possible? Yeah, it's... <laughs> God, that is the most AFC South thing I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> nobody nobody won in the AFC nope. South. Nobody won and two teams were head to head each other. How the heck are we here? So Over but that's here. that's the division, man. I think Indy with their defense, with Matt Ryan putting it together. He had a great second half. Couldn't get anything going in the first half. Um but yeah, I think he's I think well, he's going to I think he's gonna put it together. You have three hundred and fifty passing yards in this game, through fifty times. It's time for, they have a chance to get it right, but they're going to have to do it in Jacksonville, where that seems to be a kryptonite for these Indianapolis Colts to go there and play in Duval. So who are we picking in this one, Colts or Jaguars? I'm going to pick Colts. I mean, the <laughs> second half Colts are going to be better than the second half Jaguars were in, in D.C. So I'm, I'm going to give it to the Colts on this one. Yeah, I tried to make it tight, but I like the Colts as well. I think they're a better team there, and the Jaguars are... Still got some issues in figuring out um, what they're doing. Uh, be beside myself to not bring up Trayvon Walker, the first overall draft pick. Everybody's giving him crap because he's not uh, 
uh, Hutchinson. Yeah. But he snagged the quickest uh, interception snag I've maybe ever seen in that game uh, on one of those passes by uh, Wentz. He just Wentz just trying to do a little quick dump off, and just those, those long arms just shot out of nowhere, and he picked it off. That was really cool. But he's going to have to have a huge game, and they're going to have to shut down Jonathan Taylor. I don't think it's going to happen. I like the Colts. Agreed. All right. Well, that leaves us with just the Monday night game left to discuss where uh, uh, Bronco Country did not ride with Russ Wilson that night. Seahawks won it 17-16. to 16. We didn't pick this. Who would have seen this coming? Um, a wild game, but we save it for the end because you had to listen to it all. You had to listen to it all, Lance. Um, it was 13-17 to 17 at the half. Then in the third quarter, Denver turns the ball over at the goal line twice. Uh, there's also a or actually it might have been three times. <laughs> they they Wait, turn it. It was it was two goal line fumbles. Fumbles, yeah, two f- fumbles as the running back was trying to put it in the end zone. Uh, and then they get the ball back and are driving it down at the end. Fourth and five, all timeouts left, and maybe a little over a min- about a minute left on the clock. And Denver elects to sit on the ball to try a 64-yard field goal there to win it. Well, we we know that it's let Russ cook, but what we forget is that at higher altitudes, um, it's not as easy to cook. And Nathaniel Hackett was was used to cooking at high altitudes. <laughs> yeah, so, did he forget they got on a plane and went to Seattle? <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing, man. I don't know what the fuck he was thinking in the fourth quarter. I don't know what he was... But this was like an Andy Reid situation where... I think part of the reason why Andy Reid always struggled in tight situations or clock management is he's like, why am I in this situation? I gave you the best chances to win, and you fucked it up. You know, like, we're not talking about Seattle charmingly winning their first game of the season. If they can just convert one of those fucking touchdowns at the goal line, let alone both of them, you know, that's the thing. This should have been a runaway Broncos win. Instead, Broncos managed to gig fuck themselves out of a victory and Geno Smith looks like a goddamn hero. That's not right. Geno Smith's right. not supposed to look like a fucking hero. Geno Smith didn't even have 200 yards passing, but he Seattle, was yeah. efficient. Seattle came out of this gate, yeah, racing, and Denver was like, shoot, you guys aren't supposed to be good. And that's what happened. And then, yeah, they were, did nothing the second half, but Denver, who kept driving the ball, driving the ball, just kind of expecting to take over, couldn't do it couldn't do it and it was it was aggravating as heck but there it was um and then that yeah, you're right the the decision at the end was so bonehead that it, it's been discussed at ad nauseum since the end of that game uh in seattle oh and seven on field goals tried of 57 yards or more ever 64 yards would have been the second longest field goal ever hit the 66 yard we just saw last year by jason tucker who does these um brandon mcmanus is is a fine kicker and he does kick long long field goals in the thin air of denver Mm -hmm. so i get yeah it was fourth and five but there was even like yeah odds of russell wilson at fourth and fives uh and he's like at a 64 percent complete you know completing those and converting those so all the numbers just did not make sense to do that, the, to do that kick. So there's two components to it. If you're going to do that kick, then just fucking kick it. 
Just kick it. Don't run time off the clock. Kick it. You have timeouts. You can get the ball back even if you miss. That's the biggest part about this. You have the timeouts. You can miss the kick and still take your timeouts and get the ball back. But if you're going to kick a 64-yarder, then you expect to make it and then you let the clock run down. That's so I don't have a problem sure. with them letting the clock run down if they were going to kick a sixty. Uh, but it's a sixty-four-yard field goal. That's Hedge the problem bets. I have. Yes, no, and it, it was almost like they asked McManus, like, "Well, how far do you think you can hit it from here?" And he's like, "Sixty-seven." And I go, "All right. Well, anything closer than a sixty-seven, we're just going to run that clock down and let you win I think the game." I, I think I can throw that ball over that there mountain. Yeah, it is, maybe that's what McManus, I've never actually listened to him, he's a kicker, do an interview. Maybe he just I, sits there, just legs spread out, just like, I, if I want to, I could wink the shorts off of anybody, you know. <laughs> well, actually, know. he is kind of like that. I've, I've seen some interviews with him and uh, Von Miller, they were buddies. Uh-huh. Um, but Brandon McManus is a, is a pretty fun dude. So, you know, when you're a good kicker, your confidence is also insane. Yeah. Like when you when you think about how high a good kicker's confidence has to be, it's truly ludicrous. So I'm sure he was like, "I can kick from 70. I feel good today." Um, it's just really fucking hard to kick a ball that far, man. Uh, this puts us at 0 and three for the quarterbacks getting their revenge in these games: Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, and <clears throat> Joe Flacco. Um, Pete Carroll in this one said they had a game plan to make Russell Wilson move to his left as his passing numbers just aren't great going that direction. Oh, my God, they Rick Meyered him. Yeah, that's wonderful. The, the, you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to know all of the, the, you know, the the shortcomings of these quarterbacks that they've had for a decade. That's sure. insane that Pete Carroll's like, by the way, just putting that out there, maybe make a move to his left. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I don't know if y'all watch him when they saw came- every week. Yeah, he he ran on the field and they all booed him and it was like, you know, he did get traded. It's not like he bailed out on Seattle. I mean, he was trying to get out of there for maybe the last few years, but he he did give you guys a Super Bowl. I don't know. That yeah, but have weird. you have you ever been broken up with by someone that you're like, God, I should have broken up with you. God damn it. <laughs> like it was kind of that way with Russ where they're like Hey, dude, we gave you an ex- like we moved in together. We gave you a fucking extension. It's very lucrative. We're trying to rebuild the team around you. I'm sorry, not every single year is going to be a Super Bowl contending year. Sorry about that, Russ. Mm. You know, we got you, Jamal Adams. Sorry that didn't work out. We're trying, but he was just like, well, I don't want to be the reason. You know, I don't want to be the the straw that stirs the drink. I want to be on a on a championship team. And here he is, one and zero, losing to Seattle, and probably yeah. going to be fourth place in this division. Yeah, yeah, doesn't look good now. You're right, but yeah, he's still probably in a better situation though. <laughs> oh, he's we'll in a better situation. I mean, the the Seahawks are gonna win maybe three more games all year. They lost Jamal Adams. Probably has a torn quad. It looks like it's gonna be another uh, lost season for him. What a bad at what trade point? that was. I know. At what point are we? Jamal Adams might just be an injury bust. I mean, we know he's a talented guy, but he can't be on that field ever. But do we? He was talented in a New York Jets system where he was like the fucking it. dude. He yeah. was it. He's twenty six years old. He might be, you know, as How a safety. Years you was got that? Like yeah. three years. He was know? only though in New York for so long. Like I think it was three years. Three yeah. years in New York. I he I think he's had just as many seasons on a mostly IR list. Like he's uh, he hasn't had good success when it comes to injuries. He is three years in New York. Think about this. This is fucking crazy. Uh, two sacks, three and a half sacks, six and a half sacks. He went to Seattle in 12 games. He had nine and a half sacks, which is amazing. 
And then the last two season, the last two seasons, he's had fucking nothing. You know, hasn't had a sack in, you know, all last year. It's fucking ludicrous. Yeah, perhaps that's true. Um, all right. And then uh, two, technically, and this is why I took the, the Panthers for this week, and we'll, we'll watch it closely. Technically, Russ Wilson was the last active player on guest last season for uh, the Manning Brothers uh, Manning cast. Oh, no. And then he lost here. So the curse has continued. That's 0-8 for active players who have guest starred on Manning cast. So Saquon Barkley and these New York Giants, Oof. here we go. Panthers going to be at it. Folks, those were all 16 games of week one of the NFL season. We covered them all, and if we missed one, then you didn't even notice, and it's obvious we didn't need to. No, um... After all this is said and done, let's uh, get us caught up on the picks after this week, Dan. Oh, we're um, taking Broncos over Texans and Niners over Seahawks, right? Oh, that's right, because the Broncos and Seahawks, yeah, yeah. picked. That's right. Those are the last two. Um, and those are, yeah, that's true. For us together, the uh, Broncos are playing. No, oh, help me out again. Dude. Texans at Broncos. I'm Texans, taking Broncos. Texans at Seahawks Broncos. At that's Niners, a 3 kickoff. Yeah, I like Broncos as well. And, yeah, Seattle at is a 3.05. Okay, so these are both late kickoffs. Thank you. Yeah, I like Broncos. I like 49ers to get, get right, even with uh, Trey Lance. And, you know, let's see him play with a dry ball. Let's see what happens. Yeah, the 49ers, the winless and winless 49ers and Broncos are facing the undefeated Texans and Seahawks. Yeah. Does, something doesn't seem right there. Something's got to change. All right. Good. Thank you for catching me on those games before we, we, we missed them before the, the picks. They're all in now. So now picks from last week. Dan, you finished uh, week one with seven. Not the best, but I, I finished yeah. with eight, just one more than you. My mom is actually at nine wins. Wow. Games correct here. And then just to put us in, in a scenario, um, last year I think I told you I had like uh, my dog pick the game, just put him down on uh, – two helmets down on the rug and let him pick them. Uh, my my little son Emmett is helping out his little, a little <laughs> bit too. Them together as a team got 10 games right. Wow. <laughs> so, listen, week one is the wild one. It's the outlier. We'll figure it out, guys. It's the we'll fool's goal. That's right. So, listen, yeah. and but I will say this. Every every game that I picked, every upset that I picked, so close. Within like oh. three points of making it happen. Ah, God damn it. It really bothers me. Many were, and that's what I'm going to hit to here uh, with the crazy stats. But before I do... Thank you guys. Thank you guys for coming back here for uh, season six of the Push Off podcast. We've been doing this one now through, you know, five, and now here's week one of season six. So very excited to have you back uh, for us for this season. That was week one. We're going to do this all season long. So link rate, subscribe, tell your friends we'll be here because we want we to talk to you guys about this football season as it's, it looks like it's going to be a blast. Oh, man, can't wait. All right, Dan, crazy stats. Here we go. I got a, I got a slew of them this week. Uh, the entire Saints 2017 draft class were starting week one. Uh, really? Lattimore, Ramsek, Marcus Williams, who's now on the Ravens, Kamara, Anzalone, Hendrickson, and yeah. the defensive end Al Quadin Muhammad, who was a sixth-round pick. Okay. Every that's... one of them starting lineups on some team. That's a pretty good draft, man. Yeah. Only three of them still on the Saints from 2017, but still, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the good. salary cap, but yeah, that's pretty True. good. Yeah, that's what happens. 
Uh, the Miami Dolphins have now won 25 consecutive home games when leading at half. That's that's impressive. So you're playing in Miami. And, you know, they, they know how to win there. They know how to win in that, that, uh, that Florida heat. Uh, the Vikings win over the Packers is only the second game in Cousins' career where his team's defense has held the opponent to seven or fewer points. Yeah. <laughs> to put that in a scenario, Mac Jones had four of those games just last season. Yeah, he. I mean, listen, if this is a good Vikings defense this year, I think the Vikings are going to have a very, very happy season for you, Scott. Right, and then Kirk Cousins, yeah, is all of a sudden like, wow, he's not that bad, huh? So it's it, that's a very interesting stat. I might have shared that one before. It sounds familiar. I've heard it. Uh, rookie head coaches this week went four for five week one. The only one who didn't win was Hackett with his 64-yard field goal. Fucked himself. Seven missed game-winning kicks week one. That's wild. And that so that what that leads us to is my last crazy stat here for the week. Week one had seven games decided by three or fewer points. That is the most in any week one history. I feel like that's got to be up there for any week. Yeah, right? Seven. Of, I mean, talking 16 games here, so that gives you the most games to get that amount from. True, but true. But it's, it's only happened this much on week one, which is always a 16-week game, unless that that one week where Miami and Tampa had the hurricane. True, yes. Got a very early bye week in, in that one, and that was a, pod, that was a push-up a podcast week. season. Yeah. So you're right. Other than that, this is this is it for week one, so it's probably yeah one of the the most of the tightest weeks we've ever had in the NFL. So I'm gonna look that up. We jumped in the season. We wanted to get you through these podcasts a little bit quicker than the hour and a half that this one has run. But when you have this many good games, look what what are you gonna do? That's so, true. I mean, I there's only so much we can we can ignore when it's less than a, less than through, a score, yeah. man. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Um, thank you so much for listening, Dan. Please let's wrap it up with your parting words of wisdom. It is never time to panic after week one, unless your starting quarterback goes down with a major injury. Luckily, four to six weeks is not a major injury. That is a bad stretch of road. So there is no team watching these games that is eliminated, not even the Jacksonville Jaguars, from playoff contention this year. This is going to be one hell of a first quarter of the season. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, the Jets are probably out of it. Uh, yeah, that's fair. No, that's true. Yeah, just the Jets. <laughs> for, for the one quarter, we had to keep watching Joe Flacco. I don't know. Anyways, you guys, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us for week one. It's a recap of the NFL season. We'll be right back here for week two, so come on back. Thanks again. I am Scott. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.